I'm Alex Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. On today's show, we begin with the historic Dobbs slash Roe decision that came out on Friday. Yes, I'm the last person in the punditry that gets to analyze this thing, but uh, I think it's it's big enough where it's appropriate and important. And I explain why the Democrats really only have themselves to blame and the colossal blunders they've made over the last several decades or miscalculations that have led to this moment. And really, they need to look themselves in the mirror on this one. Then I dole out some credit to deserving individuals, entities, and ideas, including you. Yes, you deserve credit for this historic moment, and I explain. Next, I round up all the violent incidents from around the country. But to be honest, the weekend protests and demonstrations were pretty flat relative to my personal explanations, and I explain why. Finally, I list many examples of privileged celebrities who crapped all over our country, a country that's given them so much simply because the federal government is delegating the decision on whether or not you can terminate any life at any point of any pregnancy to the states called federalism and what a terrible place America must be that we have it or maybe not so terrible maybe that's great we break it all down for you then a few other crucial headlines before we get to our guest of the day Breitbart senior legal contributor Ken Klukowski who's also an international celebrity now and he breaks down the big news as well as the controversial a concurring opinion issued by Clarence Thomas Ken lays out where we go from here in regards to the state-by-state abortion rights debate that is beginning as we speak. And then finally, he previews what is to come on the rest of the Supreme Court calendar. The Supreme Court is wrapping up their summer season, but it's not done yet. And some really big decisions are on the horizon. And we're going to get some as early as uh, Monday as we're recording the show. All right, let's take a listen to the monologue. And Ken Klukowski, here we go. So huge news that was Friday, the Dobbs decision, but also the overturning for Roe versus Wade. Uh, the Dobbs vote was 6-3, but the Roe versus Wade vote with 5-4. So a lot of you were didn't like our headline at Breitbart when we were saying 5-4. 5-4 is the one that matters most. Um, Dobbs good, but the Roe versus Wade one, that is the one that changes the uh, real. The, the, that is the big shift because. Uh, those of you who have read the Constitution, it's not too long. It didn't take you very long to read it. If you would like to read it, I would recommend you do so today because, again, it doesn't take very long. Uh, and you, you notice there's a word there that is absent, and that word is abortion. It's not in there. Uh, nor were the Founding Fathers uh, had the slightest idea that this would be such a major issue. Uh, in their infinite wisdom, still, it would have been impossible to predict that you know a couple hundred years later that it would be the top issue perhaps at least culturally for the uh, country or perhaps more specifically half of the country and yet that's exactly how it turned out to be and the supreme court had been ham and egging it for 50 years just trying to figure out some way to maintain this absurd premise that abortion was somehow in the constitution and it was inevitable, as uh, we had, I think, discussed during the confirmation hearings of Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett, and perhaps even a bit during uh, Neil Gorsuch's confirmation, that uh, we were heading towards a point where should enough conservative justices get appointed to the Supreme Court, Roe versus Wade is going to get overturned and the uh, law is going to get sent back to the states. 
And when uh, President Trump confirms a bunch of not just conservative justices, but Catholic justices, uh, it seemed like it was basically a done deal. It was just a matter of time. And yet it is still, it is still somewhat shocking to see it. And I think as one of you callers pointed out a, a while back, um, a couple of weeks ago, probably last month when the uh, Alito decision was leaked, that I actually wrote about it in Breaking the News briefly, noting that I, I kind of predicted pretty much predicted that it was going to get overturned, which makes sense. It's the it was logical that it was going to happen and it happened. Um, so, of course, the world reacts and the world gets almost everything wrong about the key stuff in the decision. They don't wait until they've read the decision. Of course, they would never read the decision. Seventy one pages. Who has time to read seventy one pages? I mean, there's so much TikTok to look at. There's so many Instagram posts to read. I mean, there's so much rage to tweet. Who would ever read it? So people didn't even wait for that. Um, they just went out and uh, started raging about how uh, everything about this country is under attack and under threat, etc. Um, they cannot give us all the history of it, but it is uh, now the decision has sent this issue back to the states. And if you do are someone who likes having abortions, you are more than free to live in a place or travel to a place where abortions will be legal. Now, in places like, I don't know, let's say Texas, for example, I think it's going to be very hard to get an abortion there. And it, you are, might, may have to take a Southwest flight the next time you feel like getting one. But in the short to medium term, uh, and perhaps forever, it will now get reverted back to the states because, as previously noted, it was very tough to justify constitutionally that this was the Constitution's, uh, uh, this was law of the land constitutionally. And that was purely because the court had been liberal-leaning, and when it, when it did have conservatives on it, uh, conservatives felt like, uh, I would say, they were too big of, uh, of weenies in order to actually overturn it. And now we have conservatives who are not weenies, apparently, who are on the court, and thus it's gone. It is most noteworthy to me, three days out, that the crucial moment here, the, the crucial thing to note, the thing that is the one that is the biggest point I'm hearing made the least, is that the Democrats never made this the law of the land. They never actually made it into legislation where it was a federal right. They never made it so that it was a federal right. Why? I believe because they raised so much money so many hundreds of millions, maybe billions over time on this topic that they could not let it be settled. They wanted it to be in a knife's edge. They wanted it to be that it was constantly under threat because as was the case for many of you out there, I can guarantee you many of you in the audience have this thought that from our, our perspective, conservatives, that even if you didn't like Donald Trump at all, that you were never going to trust a liberal Democrat to choose justices and choose judges in general, but particularly Supreme Court justices. So it was a big motivator for you to vote regardless of if you like the people at the top of the ticket. Now, the Democrats have the same deal. Um, and their deal is that if it, so long as abortion hung in the balance, there was going to be money raised to the tune of nine figures probably, just about every year, I'm guessing, on this topic um, across all the various 
uh, the, uh, the, uh, all the various people took take advantage of this. And so it was a cash cow for them. And it made people engage because they were afraid that this right could get lost. But the problem is the Constitution never, never suggested this thing was safe. So um, I would, I'm going to do some dapping today. Those of you who are young people might understand it. I'm sure I'm misusing the term a little bit, but I'm going to dap up the Democrat Party for never making it a federal law. Even when they had a supermajority, Barack Obama uh, had both houses of Congress and supermajority in the Senate, never did it. Never locked it in. Why? Make money. Huge industry, and they kept it going. So uh, dapping up the Democrats here, dapping up Harry Reid for um, uh, taking down the filibuster which allowed to all these great confirmations. Got to dap up President Trump here, his greatest moment of his many good moments, but all of his justices delivering the, the, the deal. I'm dapping up federalism because it does create sort of a soft spot to land, which I think is important now. I do believe that we're going to have a major conversation about whether or not abortion should now get banned outright. And many states will ban it outright. Many states will provide very tight restrictions on it, very, very tight restrictions, restrictions that even some conservatives might find uncomfortable. All this stuff is going to happen. It'll happen on a statewide basis and eventually a national basis. But I don't believe that we could have handled this as a society should, should, uh, had there not been this soft place to land uh, provided by federalism, that this type of issue was designed by our, our framers to go back to the states. It was not designed to be decided on a federal level. It was not. And so now it will go back to the states, and that's where it shall be for at least a little while. Um, and I think a lot of you in the audience would like to see it stay that way. I think a lot of you in the audience would like to see it banned, period, through, uh, throughout uh, the, the, the country. And you'll hear from a lot of them on the show, I'm sure, in the coming days and weeks. But that's, that's a ways off for now back to the states and it's very hard for people who are you know I saw some uh, the, there's a group that shut down the 110 freeway in San Pedro California who will have unlimited access to abortions so I, I get it that they really feel for their fellow um, uh, irresponsible people in red states who would like to be able to abort all the children they please but they're shutting down a freeway in a place that it will never stop having abortions until it becomes some sort of, you know, a, a federal law, which is, again, way far off. So those are all the places that deserve immediate credit. Um, but so long as that word abortion is not in the Constitution, this is always going to be a possibility. And now it's here. So. So many people to thank. Um, but not just the Democrats. I think all of you. I really do. I don't think this would have happened without Breitbart News. I don't think this would have happened without the uh, activist conservative audience, people so deeply engaged in the issues who knew this one and who understood it on a deep level and had knew the history. They knew the risks and they still fought for human life and the ability for life to win out. For the people who prayed for this, get immense credit as well. Prayer has been mocked in our society and our pop culture for too long. I think a lot of you prayed very hard for this. And now it's here. So I think that there'll be many countless human beings that are yet to be born that owe a lot of you and a lot of my colleagues at Breitbart, President Trump, so many others, 
they will they uh, 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 all of them will be the beneficiaries of this, which is so cool. Um. So then the fun stuff starts, which is the hot takes, the reactions, who's saying what. Mike Pence came to us at Breitbart for exclusive comments, saying today life won. That was a popular refrain. Barack Obama said the Supreme Court is attacking essential freedoms of Americans. Okay. Well, why didn't you make it law, dude? This is the one where you could see a wedge getting divided between the pure Democrat left and the establishment Democrat left. Because Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, Barack Obama are the top people who could have done something about this, who could have prevented this from happening, and they didn't. Couldn't pull it off. Nancy Pelosi blamed Trump. She's correct to do that, and she said it was a cruel ruling. Hillary Clinton says the Roe v. Wade fall will live in infamy and a step backwards in human rights. Well, unless you're taking from the perspective of the nascent human being who gets to live now. If you're taking it from that individual's perspective, then is a step forward. Because the right to kill the unborn indiscriminately is, I think, something that you could make the case is a massive infringement on human rights. That's just me, though. Maxine Waters says, the hell with the Supreme Court, we will defy them. Imagine that coming from anyone on the right in a different context. I know we see Maxine Waters as some sort of a joke, but she's one of the most powerful Democrats in the Congress. She's not a joke. I mean, she joked to us, but she's not a joke in terms of the amount of power that she has um, accumulated over her lifetime in Washington. So she's been um, a Congresswoman for over 30 years. And... Um, She's the chair of the House Financial Services Committee. A powerful individual. Crapping on our Constitution. In a rage. Um, the My favorite reaction, and I don't know if I have a close second, we will figure it out together if I do. But my favorite reaction is, without a doubt, from a non-American, Justin Trudeau. The news coming out of the United States is horrific. My heart goes out to the millions of American women who are now set to lose their legal right to an abortion. I can't imagine the fear and anger you are feeling right now. No government, politician, or man should tell a woman what she can and cannot do with her body. I want women in Canada to know that we will always stand up for your right to choose. It's basically rolling out the red carpet. Nice invitation for all of you ladies who would like to go to the great white north to uh, you know, scramble the brains of whichever baby that might be growing inside of you. But there's one trick though, if you wanna go, if you want to exercise your right to choose what you do with your body, if your body, uh, your bodily autonomy, if you wanna exercise your rights to choose what you do with that body, just make sure that you get the jab first because if not, good luck getting in. Good luck getting in unless you're boosted. A little bit ironic there, right? Um, a little bit selective in terms of how my body, my choice applies. The Biden Department of Justice says they will use every tool at their disposal to fight this, whatever that means. 
Kamala Harris typically gave some word salad. The strength of our nation has always been that we are guided by what we see that can be unburdened by what has been. Wow. She's good. The strength of our nation has always been that we are guided by what we see that can be unburdened by what has been. It's like Cicero. She goes on. The significance of the passage of time, right? The significance. Oh, this is an old one, but this is funny. <laughs> this was fed to me. Significance of the passage of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time, and there's such a great significance to the passage of time. Direct comma quote. She is so impressive. Some of the stuff is not as funny. Um, Uncle Clarence was allowed to trend on Twitter. So, which is a racist statement against Clarence Thomas, who uh, not only was part of the good guys in this, uh, he wrote a con- a concurrence to the Alito opinion that was e- even more fire than the Alito opinion. The Alito uh, opinion, perhaps I would argue, is a little more meticulously worded um, and worded in a way that was... Uh, it did not lend itself to media hysteria in the way that Thomas's concurrence did. We'll ask Ken Klukowski about this uh, when he gets on here. But uh, Thomas outright floated that this could be the beginning of uh, perhaps a series of poorly argued decisions on social issues where liberal, perhaps activist justices uh, uh, they created some laws that are not in the Constitution, just claim they were in there, and they should all be looked at again, even if perhaps there's a national consensus that they should be a certain way. The court's not supposed to be a legislative body. They're supposed to not have the power to legislate. This was the whole essence of the Alito decision. By the way, it is noteworthy to point out there's never been a full decision like that ever leaked before. I don't know who leaked it. We didn't catch them. It's probably one of the clerks on one of the liberal sides. And so the Democrats had over a month, the left had over a month to organize their strategy, their pushback strategy. What did you get over the weekend? You got a bunch of people writing on some signs, got the poster board out, got the glitter out, and they marched outside, and they got the megaphone out. That's all they did. They had a month and a half. A few of them in liberal areas inconvenienced their fellow pro-choice liberals by blocking the freeways. Uh, not impressive. I'm not impressed. Activists left. But anyway, Uncle Clarence allowed a trend on Twitter. Um, there's some of the tweets that we have at Breitbart. They're still up. Calling him a house N-word, spelling the N-word out completely. Multiples of those. Just wild. Uh, calls for his assassination. I literally, I'm looking at one right now. I am going to kill Clarence Thomas. Like I'm, it, it's up. It's right there. It's been up for days. Kill Clarence Thomas. Kill Clarence Thomas. There's many more that have been deleted that we've documented, but that one is flat out there. Next most disturbing thing is this flood of corporations who are going to be paying for their employees to get abortions. Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of America, and Citigroup want to fund abortion travel. Uh, I mentioned companies like Tesla. Sadly, SiriusXM is now in that group. I did complain to management about this. 
Um, they'll be reimbursing up to $5,000 to go travel for an abortion. Um, I asked if I can get a $5,000 credit for the actual baby we had this year. Um, I, I'm, I've yet to hear back. I won't dwell on it because it's, it, 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 it is typical now. But it's just very dark. It's very dark that the corporations are not only encouraging people to freeze their eggs so they can give their best, most productive years to the corporation, but now they're actually encouraging you to abort your children. This is an encouragement to abort your children. That's what's happening. Again, not just here, sex, I'm not just picking on them. It's Tesla, it's everywhere. Like everyone's doing this. And under the guise of a woman's right to choose, they're encouraging you to not have kids, which makes it, you know, you're not gonna be working as, you're, you work a little less overtime when you have a bunch of children. Um, you're a little more concerned about making sure that you are uh, getting your get whatever raises you deserve when you have children. Uh, paternal leave is expensive. There's a whole host of costs that go up from insurance. Uh, it, it is people grumble more about working long hours when you have kids. There's no doubt about that. So it used to be that society wanted to encourage you to have the kids. Now society wants to encourage you to not have the kids so that you can move up the corporate ladder at Facebook. How great is that? Don't have a family. The most important thing you can do. I say this as someone who has been very fortunate to have had a huge amount of career success. And I intend to have even more career success. But family is the most important thing. The thing that I'm most excited about in my life is my family. And I have an amazing career. I have a one in a hundred at worst uh, type of job in terms of coolness that I enjoy to do. I'm very blessed about my work. But it's the family's the most important thing. And like to be encouraged not to have kids so that you can uh, become, uh, oh, maybe I can become a junior assistant to the vice president of Facebook, Amazon. You need to chickety check yourself before you wreck yourself if, you're, if that's your mentality. And yet that is the mentality that is applauded. You to golf clap if you come out with those policies in the corporate world. Um, Patagonia is going to pay bail for employees arrested at pro-abortion protests. Looking at some of the, we got some of the images in LA. It's just so, it's just so ridiculous. It's the, the people blocking other pro-choicers from driving to work. We're driving home in an area that will have abortion for the foreseeable future. There's no one in L.A. who's stopping abortion right now. And in fact, you're probably going to see people start moving back towards parts of blue state, people who, you know, left L.A. for Austin. A lot of them are going to go back now because they care so deeply about this issue. We had a video of a woman twerking for abortion in Dallas. Okay. Dick Sporting Goods, I think that's hilarious. They're in that group. They're going to offer $4,000 to employees who refuse to terminate their pregnancies. You don't terminate that pregnancy, you get four grand. Congrats. Or I'm sorry, if you do terminate, you get four grand. <laughs> I was thinking, like, what's your average Dick Sporting Good employee? What's he about? Um, uh, a 37-year-old male who uh, played uh, JV football. It's just a virtue signal. It's all a virtue signal. LAPD charged a man with attempted murder during the Roe versus Wade protest lots riots. Man tried to set a cop car on fire in LA. Pregnancy center vandalized in Colorado. 
Virginia Pro-Life Clinic vandalized. It's just one instance of violence after the next. Left-wing violence, and this will come and go in the press. Christian Pregnancy Center in Colorado, as I mentioned. If abortions aren't safe, neither are you. And then they tagged the Antifa anarchy symbol, which again, that, that can always be that can always be something that's tacked on. But uh, noteworthy that it's there. Women have called for a sex strike against men in retaliation for the overturning of Roe versus Wade. And the geniuses who edit Breitbart.com for me, they uh, chose a photo of a woman for this, for the sex strike story, who is screaming at the top of her lungs. She has septum piercing, eyebrow piercing, nose piercing, cheek piercing, lip piercing. She got those huge hoops in her ears that, uh, you know, where you really stretch the ear out really far. Get some really heavy chains for jewelry. Uh, she, she, let's put it this way. She doesn't look like the type of person who's looking to uh, be with a lot of men in a romantic way. Let's put it that way. Uh, we saw a sign, stop having sex with Republicans. No choice for me, no sex for men. Of course, that person is particularly not attractive. Just holding up that one. This is very weird moves. You're going to punish pro-choice men, I guess. All right. Go for it. Let's see how that goes. This is what I'm saying. This is a very stale playbook, is it not? Is this not the stalest playbook you've ever heard? Pop star Liz Fair had also one of my favorite tweets. I'll read this one. And I want to be as precise as possible because this is gold. Roe versus Wade did more than protect women's health and life choices. It allowed women to find their sexuality without fear, to be playful and spontaneous. Nobody takes an abortion lightly, least of all people who endure them. But the psychological safety is profound. Birth control fails, forced sex happens. They're going to be more than our bodies. They are shooting for submission of the mind as well. Brilliant. Brilliant. Without this ham and egg Supreme Court decision, women would not have the right to be playful and spontaneous. So good. It's that, that's what the Supreme Court's after. They don't want you to be playful or spontaneous. Nothing to do with the nascent life growing inside of you. It's a war on spontaneity and playfulness. There's people just fire the stuff out there. This weird Twitter has been a huge gift. David Hogg, anti-gun activist, is mad as hell and he's ready to protest. He actually had said that before he realized what was the topic to share. Um, then he tweeted that uh, Trump packed the court and it's time to unpack it. Trump did not pack the court. It's not what court packing means. It's amazing how many dumb people go to Harvard. Um, a lot of smart people, too. You got a lot of Harvard people at Breitbart, and a lot of them are really smart. But there's some dumb people getting there, too. Maybe Hogg's a bright guy. I don't know. But uh, the, the he, it certainly doesn't come off that way. Um, let's see. Share. Radical Supreme Court is responsible for the deaths of hundreds of thousands. 
Yes, exactly right. That's our point. Hundreds of thousands of babies who died due to their stupid Roe versus Wade decision, which is over. Samantha B, TBS host and alleged comedian. I'd say former comedian. Raise hell in every restaurant Alito eats at for the rest of his life. So harass him publicly. Billy Eichner, actor and Twitter activist, attacks Christians. F you and your religious BS. Use the real words, not the uh, initials. Green Day rocker Billy Joe Armstrong renounces citizenship over Roe versus Wade reversal. F America. I mean, a good riddance, right? It's like these guys are just given the stuff we would want. A couple of dark ones, Ayanna Presley, squad member, said the, the note connected the outlawing of abortion on the heels of a baby formula shortage, basically meaning that, hey, we can barely feed our babies, so why should we be uh, forced to have them? How dark is that? The darkest ever was Anna Navarro on CNN, who basically went through a list of people and her family members with some developmental disabilities as if to suggest that she should have aborted her own her family should have aborted other family members and should have had that right which she didn't say that literally but that was a the one of the most heinous evil things you've ever heard on tv we'll have to play that at some point um, for you guys but she's also apparently i think a catholic person but she has cited relatives with Down syndrome and autism and as a reason to defend abortions. Like meaning like we should have the right to kill my relatives. So I will note one thing before I forget. There's still more big cases to come and there is a, a another one that is, um, uh, there's some other big cases that should come out today. So we're not done, Supreme Court. So we'll get a tease from that from Ken later on. When he joins us. So uh, South Dakota says they're going to start targeting doctors who perform the abortions. That's the way to go. Uh, the way to go is not to challenge. I don't, I don't think you, you take on uh, the women. You take on the doctors. That's the way to do it. It's kind of like the E-Verify strategy with illegal immigration. You go after the employers versus the the uh, employees. I think that's that's probably the, the more efficient approach. Um. But I think that'll be a preview of what's to come. The pro-abortion rioters attempted to storm the Arizona Capitol while it was in session. You know, I'm old enough to remember when that was referred to as a insurrection. Secretary of State Tony Blinken has launched a review to ensure his employees have access to abortion. This is the whole point, is that it's not, they're not banned outright. If you really want them, Tony Blinken can, get make, can make sure all the people who have ambitions to move up the ranks in the State Department can abort all the children they want in whatever blue state they're in, Washington, D.C., wherever it is. Texas, on the other hand, Planned Parenthood is ceasing abortions. Where is Planned Parenthood's focus going to shift? Planned Parenthood's focus is going to shift towards the trans stuff, which is kind of crazy, right? Like, that's where it's going to go. That's where the big industry is going to be. That's where a lot of the lobbying is going to go. That's where a lot of the activism is going to go. That's the growth industry is the trans hormone replacement stuff. 
pop star Pink demands pro-life Americans never effing listen to my music again. Done and done. Allow me to speak on behalf of all pro-life America, Pink. You got it. Samuel L. Jackson, who stars in a lot of the Marvel movies, called Clarence Thomas Uncle Clarence. Racist comment. All because the unlimited right in every state, even the red states, to kill children in the womb. Um, Let's not lose sight of a couple other things that are out there. A new study shows transgender identifying views nearly double in the U.S. and that number is going to go up. 13 to 25 population. Big deals. Big deals are going on. People are, uh, we are allowing for confusion to be sowed throughout our country making young people increasingly confused. Children watched as nude cyclists drove through a Seattle Pride Parade followed by the Boy Scouts. Boy Scouts out there at the Pride Parade. Nude adults. Uh, It was supposed to be for families, including young people, the Pride Parade for whatever reason. I don't know why it would be. And then uh, the Boy, Boy Scouts come marching in. Marching on behalf of Pride. And then there's some other pro abortion groups in the same group. So, Washington State, I imagine, is going to be fine in this regard. But still, they got to corrupt all that stuff. Like, uh, boys and Boy Scouts now participating in the Pride stuff and the abortion stuff. Yikes. But we, got, we cannot lose sight of stuff that we need to work on. I think the trans issue continues to be to be maybe the scariest culturally. But uh, Joe Biden celebrating gun control victory with the help of 15 Senate Republicans, which is massive disappointment from some of them. And so our rights are, are constantly being insulted. So the we cannot rest. We cannot sleep. We need to get involved. Mitch McConnell praising the Senate passed gun controls, describing them as common sense guardrails. Yeah, well, you know what's common sense? That they'll never stop. And they've already laid out this is going to be the beginning of more. They want to infringe on more of our freedoms. They want to confuse our youths. And uh, they want to riot in our streets, shut down our freeways, attack our cops, attack uh, religious people, all because they don't see eye to eye with them politically on every issue. Right, Tank Lukowski is a fan favorite guest and one of the most important legal minds in conservative media, and I would submit in all of media. And he breaks down exactly what was in the big decision from Friday with the Dobbs case, what it means for the longer term abortion debate, Clarence Thomas's role in some of the controversies that took place over the weekend, and so much more. Always a treat when Ken's on, and he provides some terrific answers. Let's hear it. Ken, we'll go a little bit out of order here. Um, I want to get to, of course, what happened with the Supreme Court on Friday, and then I want to look forward because I know there's some more decisions this week. But uh, I am curious where this, what this means for the funding of Planned Parenthood, which so much of it is done from the government, um, and the abortion industry is often funded with their taxpayer dollars, and I'm sure that's happening overseas as well. Is that going to be called into consideration now, or is that, are there more steps that need to need to take place before we get there 
Uh, good morning, Alex. None of that would have any bearing on the Supreme Court's decision. Uh, the right to have an abortion uh, never included the right to have taxpayers fund for that abortion. And, uh, and abortion was always a right for persons here in the United States. So it has nothing to do with our views of abortion in other countries. So whether it's domestic programs or foreign programs, uh, whether it involves taxpayer subsidies or whether it involves, like when a comment was made, something about, and I would need to see the details of the statement, but the Pentagon saying that they're not going to comply with it. Well, abortion was always elective. It was not a forced uh, matter. It was not controlled abortion. So on all of these issues, there should be no impact whatsoever because those were all just policy choices. You know, do, do we want to fund abortion? Do people have the option to get abortion? Are we going to be supporting people getting abortion? Are we going to tell them it's a good idea? Are we going to tell them it's a bad idea? Are we going to tell them that, you know, this, this kills a human being? Uh, none of those things are, are impacted by Dobbs. Dobbs is just simply a declaration that, oh, and by the way, everyone, the U.S. Constitution includes no right to abortion. So state yeah. lawmakers just decide whatever you're going to decide. And Congress, of course, can just spend money on whatever Congress decides to spend or not spend money on. Yeah, in a nutshell, I think you've laid out the essential points. Um, but tell me what the Supreme Court actually decided. Uh, help me clarify for the audience why some people thought it was a 5-4 decision, some people thought it was a 6-3 decision. And what did we learn on Friday, Ken? Uh, absolutely, Alex. And I would say I've, I've been calling it, uh, in the first day as it came down, I was calling it 5-4. I think there's so much confusion over that that I'm now calling it a 5 decision. Uh, You had five justices who said this Mississippi law banning abortion after 15 weeks, it's okay because there is no constitutional right to abortion if Roe v. Wade is overruled. That's what the five said. Then three justices said this Mississippi law is unconstitutional because there is a constitutional right to abortion, and I am voting to reaffirm Roe v. Wade, which said that. And then you had the chief justice who said, well, this Mississippi law is okay because this does not qualify as an undue burden, which is what would be unconstitutional under Roe as modified by Planned Parenthood v. Casey in 1992. And I'm not saying that Roe was correctly decided. I'm just, say, I'm just saying it's been here a really long time, and, and that, that means we have – we've reaffirmed it a number of times, and that means a very high standard would have to be met before we could overrule it. And I'm not saying uh, that abortion is a good thing. I'm not saying there should be a constitutional right. I'm just saying that uh, we we would have to reach a really high standard to overrule it. And because I cannot hold this Mississippi law without overruling it, I'm just not going there. So the chief justice said nothing to defend Roe. He just said, I don't think we need to go there to save this Mississippi law. 
And so I'm I'm just not going to. So I'm I'm starting to call it a five three one decision, even though that's more confusing on the face. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm more confused now. I, I yeah, in a way, in a way, I think it. Uh, I, I think by framing it that way, as confusing as it sounds, it uh, nonetheless it's it's just more accurate. Five votes to overrule overrule Roe, three votes to save Roe. And one vote to say I'm not going to touch Roe because I can uphold this Mississippi law at issue without talking about Roe. Ken, help me understand where we go from here, considering that you've got uh, all of the Trump appointed justices uh, paid lip service to the fact that Roe was uh, precedent and that. They weren't necessarily inclined to overturn it, and this is what persuaded people like Susan Collins to support their confirmation. And then now, lo and behold, we're here today, and then you've got people like Susan Collins who's very upset about it. And there's an element of pro wrestling here, but I'm just trying to understand um, whether or not everyone looks bad in this scenario or there is some sort of logic that I'm missing. Uh, sure. It, it, it seems that there are two relevant statements from each of the justices, one of which they actually said, and the second of which they never said. I mean, certainly we all, we all heard, I mean, you and I heard the confirmation hearings for each of these three justices, and I'm sure that countless of our listeners did uh, as well. Uh, and I have no reason to believe that any of the justices said to Senator Collins in private anything different from what they said to the Senate Judiciary Committee in public during their hearing, and that is, uh, is Roe v. Wade precedent? Yes. Has it been around a long time? Yes. Is it, is it uh, a precedent that has been uh, reaffirmed repeatedly? Yes. I, I'm sure that their entire discussion about that, I'm sure, was just legally accurate. But I am also uh, positive because no justice, a justice on the right, a justice on the left, uh, doesn't matter if you're appointed by Republicans, Democrats, etc. No justice would say in public or in private how they would rule on any particular case or issue to come before them. They're required by the canons of judicial ethics never to prejudge a case and never to say what they would do in a, in a future hypothetical case. So I am confident that if Susan Collins asked them, would you overrule Roe v. Wade? I am 100% sure that all nine of the justices on the Supreme Court, not one of them, would have answered either yes or no. And so I can't imagine that they ever said anything that was in any way dishonest or misleading. The fact that Senator Collins did not understand their answers, which is what must have been the case, uh, is, uh, you know, that's, that's for her to deal with, uh, not, not, not for the justices. Again, you and I, we heard all of their testimony during their Senate confirmation hearings. Yeah. They talked about Roe v. Wade. They never said that, by the way, you know, I'll never overrule Roe. They never said that or anything of the sort. Ken, what do you think of the fact that this decision leaked ahead of time? Uh, what do you know about the differences between the leaked d- opinion and the published opinion and do you as i do think that it it turned out that the strategy backfired assuming it was leaked from a liberal who was hoping to create some sort of public pressure it actually proved the fecklessness of the 
a radical abortion movement right now where it just seemed like we saw the exact same playbook of handmaiden's tail uh, bonnets and poster board and um, you know, uh, showing up with megaphones at certain places, just all the same stuff we've been witnessing just at a smaller scale. They had no strategy. There was no plan and ended up sort of backfiring. Uh, yes, it was. Uh, the opinion, the final opinion, uh, was a little over 10 pages longer than the uh, – no, no, actually not, not 10 pages because you're adding the syllabus at the beginning, which is just a summary of the opinion. And that amounts for, you know, that amounts to a few pages right there. It was several pages longer. Uh, I'm still identifying each individual line because it's, it's scattered. But it, everything that I have seen and everything that I have heard regarding each of the differences uh, is just what you normally find in a final Supreme Court opinion. Uh, in that, in terms of responding to the other opinions that are part of the decision, the chronology is this. Uh, the after a case is heard that Friday at a closed door conferences uh, conference, each of the nine justices take turns speaking about the case and announcing how they're going to vote on the case. And again, this is every case that the court hears. Then after they all do their vote and they tally it up, then the senior most justice in the majority, uh, which if he is in the majority is always the chief justice. Since he was not in the majority on this, it would have been Clarence Thomas would have been the senior justice in the majority. And then at that point, Justice Thomas makes the decision of who in the majority to assign it to, including the option of assigning it to himself. Justice Thomas clearly assigned it to Justice Alito. At that point, the authoring justice uh, writes a first draft of the majority opinion. After he does that, that is circulated to all the other uh, justices, to the other eight. So that happened by February 10 at the latest. Once it's circulated, then each of the justices in the majority can be saying, uh, I love this, but can you please add the following paragraph or delete the following paragraph or reword the following sentence in the following way? And so those in the majority start to, you know, work on it to edit each other's work. At the same time, justices who say, like John Roberts, I agree with the outcome here of uh, upholding this Mississippi law, but I am not voting to overrule Roe v. Wade. No way. He starts to write a concurring opinion on uh, to say exactly that. And then the justices who say, I reject this, in this case, the three liberal justices, they decide who among them is going to write the dissent or whether there's even going to be more than one. And then they start to write that. After all of those separate opinions are written, Alex, then those all get circulated to each other. And it is typical that the author of the main opinion will say, okay, now I want to add a few paragraphs on why I think the dissenting justices are wrong and why I think this concurring justice is not going far enough. And so all of these rebuttals and responses are then uh, inserted into the main opinion, and then they keep on circulating drafts back and forth. They keep on revising and building out their own works. It appears that the only changes I've seen between the February 10 decision, the February 10 opinion, and the final opinion, it's all that sort of content. Yeah, I have to say, I'm just looking at um, some more um, celebrities complaining about 
uh, Roe versus Wade at a big music festival outside of London. And I'm like, what's going on here? This is just so silly. It's just so silly. Same playbook. They had nothing. And it just seemed like the fact that this opinion was leaked makes it even more clear that they've always had nothing. And the society's moving on. The culture's moving on. And uh, these guys are losers. They're losers. And Clarence Thomas wrote a concurring opinion with Justice Alito's uh, the, the main opinion from the Roe v. Wade slash Dobbs case. And it sent a signal that perhaps there are more cases to come where this same sort of view that you can't just invent rights and insert them into the Constitution because you politically feel like it. Uh, uh, might become something that is more scrutinized with this conservative court that we have currently. Uh, do you think there's anything to this? And if so, what are you looking at? Uh, no, the, the, the short answer is no. Uh, Justice Thomas said what he has been saying ever since he got to the Supreme Court. And that is, he said, look, people are talking about this right, abortion, and they say it's implicit in the due process clause. He says, as he said in... Uh, he, he said the substantive due process clause just says that no state shall deprive a person shall deprive a person of life, liberty or property without due process of law. He says it doesn't say they can't take your life. It doesn't say they can't take your liberty. It doesn't say they take, can't take your property. It just says that there's a certain legal process, courtroom process that you as a person are entitled to before they can do it. He says, and that's all the clause does. The due process clause is about process, procedure, like courtroom procedure, legal procedure, and it has nothing to do with anything else. And he said, it, it, and he's been consistent regardless of the right at issue. When it was a question about whether the Second Amendment applied to the states through the 14th Amendment, four conservative justices did that through the due process clause. And in McDonald v. Chicago, he split with them with a concurring opinion, where he said, no, the due process clause is only about process. He said, you know, there is another part of the 14th Amendment. It says that no citizen, sh no state shall deprive citizens of the privileges or immunities of citizenship. He said, I would say the right to bear arms is such a privilege or immunity of being an American. And I would say that's why a state can't do it. But I'm not just, and, and so that's why I'm voting to extend the Second Amendment today. But I'm not doing it through the due process clause. I'm not joining your opinion. And so he's been remarkably consistent on this. He says, I don't care what the substance of the right is. It's not found in the due process clause. And so that's what he was talking about there. And then he also went on to say, and you know what? We put a lot of other rights too. And he didn't say, he did not say that those rights would not necessarily exist. He's just saying if they do exist, whether it is same-sex marriage or Lawrence v. Texas with, uh, with, uh, with sexual relations, be they same sex or opposite sex. Uh, I realize that's very binary language uh, on my part. I don't know how the woke left would even characterize it today. But it's, uh, or he said, or if it's an issue of birth control or all of these other matters that are not mentioned in the Constitution, he says whether or not they're in the Constitution, Maybe they're in the Privileges or Immunities Clause, but none of them are in the Due Process Clause, and we should just stop saying that there's any sort of substantive rights in a part of the Constitution that has nothing to do with anything except courtroom procedure. Ken, where does the abortion debate go now? Does it go state by state? And if so, which states are you looking at 
to be the most interesting the most quickly? Uh, it, it goes state by state. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you one thing that I do not believe uh, that uh, that uh, the federal government has a hook to do now is if they were to pass a law codifying Roe v. Wade as a federal statute, uh, it, it's, there's no constitutional basis for it. Uh, I think that would be challenged. People would say, what is this? Is this the Commerce Clause? Or are you saying you're funding it and this is spending clause? Uh, I, I think any such federal statute, which I don't think they could pass anyways, uh, would be would be subject to constitutional challenge. Uh, now, as it goes to each of the states, uh, some states have what are called trigger laws in effect already. We'll have to see which ones are actually in force uh, at this time. Uh, none of those have been legally tested about whether you know these retroactive laws are instantly in effect. Now, there are several states. That, whose governments are saying that they are in effect at this time. So no doubt there'll be a slew of lawsuits under each of those. We're, we are now in 50 separate laboratories of democracy and uh, voters' choice when it comes to the issue of abortion. Last big one for today, Ken. We are still in Supreme Court season, at least for a little while longer. We're going to get some decisions here as we're recording this uh, in just about an hour or so. Uh, what is left on the docket? What do you anticipate and how long uh, do you think the session will drag out? Well, we still have several major cases, one of which is huge. Probably the biggest one remaining. Well, actually, there are different ways to answer that. But huge ones that are remaining. You have the Coach Kennedy case the former Marine who was the football coach in Washington state who got fired for praying uh, at a, at Friday night football games, silently praying. Uh, that's a case about free speech and the free exercise of religion and the establishment clause of religion. Those are three different parts of the first amendment that could come down today uh, at 10 AM. The court will be handing down decisions in a li little over an hour here. Another one is West Virginia versus EPA. That is, what is the scope of the EPA's power under the Clean Air Act and could be the beginning of the comeback of a doctrine that has been uh, uh, absent from uh, Supreme Court decisions since the 1930s, that being the non-delegation doctrine, whether there's ever a point at which an agency is essentially claiming that Congress just handed them the keys, that Congress wrote a statute so big and bold that the agency now has what really amounts to just lawmaking power, like under the Clean Air Act, just, you know, the EPA under the Biden administration uh, and previous Democrat administrations is claiming power to essentially run much of the U.S. economy. So the idea of can an agency even be given so much power by Congress under the Constitution, that could be decided today. Uh, and... Um, but whether it is, and of course, the Remain in Mexico, MPP, the Migrant Protection Protocols, uh, Donald Trump, one of his signature issues as president, the Remain in Mexico uh, border security policy, uh, whether or not that is going to stay on the books, whether President Biden violated the Administrative Procedure Act in his attempts to, uh, to dismantle that. I got American Thanks a lot to producer Haley, working extra hard to piece the show together as Greg's on vacation. Robert Marlowe helps me pick topics and all of you who have told 10,000 friends and family members about the broadcast. I can't thank you enough. We'll talk to you tomorrow.